Okay, um, just a few words before we um, dive into the passage. Um, the older I get, the more seasons of life I begin to uh, kind of get into a groove. And when I was in seventh grade, my youth pastor um, took me through a study in the book of Proverbs. When I was in eighth grade, my youth pastor took me in a study through the book of Proverbs. When I was in ninth grade, my youth pastor took me um, in a study through the book of Proverbs. So every summer, from the ages, from the, from the grade seventh grade all the way through high school, I was reading the Proverbs. Um, it's not hard to imagine then that every summer since then, I have tried to have a healthy dose of the Proverbs in my life. Um, I preached on Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs 9 before, um, back in 2014. Um, but this is, a, this is one of the Proverbs where I come back to over and over again, um, as I consider it just for my own life, and I consider just what it's teaching and the nuances that it holds. And so I'm excited to um, maybe help encourage you guys in any way um, in your youth to heed the example that the Proverbs lays out for you. So um, allow me to read the passage, and then we'll pray, and then we'll kind of um, jump in to what it's saying. Proverbs chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set, how, set out her young woman to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and walk in the way of insight. And whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman of folly is loud. She is seductive. And knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat in the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that their guests are in the depths of Sheol. Let's pray. God, we um, bring ourselves before your word now and we ask, Lord, that you would just um, help us just to pause, God. God, to slow down in the business of life. Bring our minds constantly going from one thought to another of what we're doing tonight or tomorrow. And Lord, help us to be in this moment. God, we all need wisdom. So therefore, we are asking that you would give it because we know that when we ask you for wisdom, you give it. Be glorified in these words, we pray. Amen. 
a poem. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that passing there, had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black, oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how many ways leads on to way, I doubt if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that poem. Does anyone know who's by? Robert Frost. I think you knew the answer to that question last time I read that poem. Yeah. Um, good job. Robert Frost. In that poem, he is describing a path in which there were two roads that went on. And he took the one that costed him. The light side or the dark side. Good, bad. Should I stay or should I go? <laughs> Decisions, decisions, decisions. Proverbs chapter 9 is inviting you to two different parties. Imagine you go home tonight and you look in your mailbox and you get two invitations. And one is from Lady Folly and one is from Lady Wisdom. And you'll notice that in this psalm, what we'll do, a proverb, excuse me, is that we're going to compare and contrast Lady Wisdom to Lady Folly. And we're going to look at these two paths that you're being invited to go along. Of will you choose rightly? And something about this proverb that always sticks out to me is that in essence what it is calling us to do and helping us realize that in every decision we make in life, there is a decision to either be wise or foolish. So the reason why I think I care about the book of Proverbs so much for young people is maybe... Um, Best illustrated in the book that the guys are going over this summer. It's called Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle. In the first chapter, he gives us five reasons why he believes young men need to be exhorted. Okay, and so at one point in particular, I agree with him, but yet I think his application of that point is too narrow. In which he says, I need to write to young men because there seems to be a lack of genuine Christians who are men. In which I would say, there is a lack of genuine Christians, period. Being young and being a Christian is a very unique thing. I don't know how many of you come from Christian homes, and maybe some of you, your parents grew up in the church, but I would venture to say that I think most people um, who are Christians don't always have the most stellar reputation of living for Christ in high school. In fact, um, being a youth pastor, I'm often challenged with, with seeing and talking to people who are giving advice and structure to what it means to be a Christian in high school, and they were not a Christian in high school themselves. So yet, even when I'm being raised by my parents who were good God-fearing Christians, when they were in high school... 
They were heathens. And then there's a sense in which it is hard for people to relate what it's like to be a young person and trying to please God. Trying to please God with your bodies, with your time, with your energy, with your resources. And right here in Proverbs chapter 9, imagine that it's addressed to you, a young Christian. Will you be wise or you'll be foolish? Will you choose the good side or the dark side? And I'd like to, to say that I don't think this invitation is a simple one-time, yeah, I'm going to choose this side. But as you'll see, it's a little more than that. So for our time, let's just go ahead and compare and contrast Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, see some few things in the middle, and then we'll go from there. If you look at verses 1 through 2, describing Lady Wisdom, Wisdom has built her house. Now, I always have to give a word about personification, because that's a very unique thing. The first time I ever read Proverbs, I'm like, why, is, why are they calling Wisdom a her? Right? Um... So the same reason why when a hurricane comes around and they, they label it a, typically a girl's name, and that originated because some of the few pilots that would first go over hurricanes would name the hurricane after their girlfriend. And what they're doing is they're personifying a weather system or you can personify a car. So maybe you see a nice um, old Porsche drive down the street. It's like, oh man, that car, she was so pretty. You know, in the same way, wisdom is being personified as a person, as a she. And he, and he begins to give characteristics of what wisdom looks like. So if you want to know what a wise life looks like, he shows us. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. So she has done the very hard work. She has gone out to the wilderness. She has hunted. She has gathered. She has she's made sure that all of her meal is going to be appropriate and nice. And, you know, not just the boring shelf, bottom shelf wine. She adds fruits and fragrances to make the wine sweet. And she works hard at making sure that her meal is going to be a tasteful one. She has set her table. So, I mean, getting into Judaism, I mean, the way Jews celebrated stuff, you, you get this picture of like a perfectly, like imagine like, um, I can't ever say my personal experience, Thanksgiving is always like super crazy. There's like a million things going on. People are yelling at each other. You like, something's got burnt and, you know, you finally get things on the table and, you know, two things are cold because you're trying to get all this other stuff ready by the time you actually eat. But imagine like, like the picture perfect movie scene, right? where they have this long and beautiful table and everyone has their perfect little chinaware and you know, the fancy napkin and all the food is steaming hot and you have servants standing behind you. And this is what, this is what Lady Wisdom has prepared. She's not. I watched a movie last night and it was like some billionaire invited some guy over and he opened up the tray and it was McDonald's, which is just funny. Um, this isn't like she just went out of the store and picked up a few things. She has slaved over this meal. She has worked hard over it. She has sent out her young woman to call. So now she actually, she works so hard with this, this meal that she's prepared, that she's gone out and done, that she has sent her servants to go out and to give invitations to everyone. And what does it say? She calls out everywhere in town. 
So in Proverbs chapter 1, it personifies wisdom again as someone who stands in the middle of a busy market holding a sign, asking, how long will you simple ones love your simple ways? Imagine somewhere where like at the end of Lake Fair, you have just crowds and crowds of people leaving, right? Imagine in the midst of just a sea of people, you see wisdom standing up on, on, a, on three chairs stacked up with a sign saying, here I am wisdom. And which is supposed to signify that wisdom isn't hard to get. She isn't hiding. She is sending out her servant. She is sending the invitation. Wisdom is not something that you have to work really hard. She has done the hard work. And now she calls out and she sends invitations. And what does her invitation say? Whoever is simple, let him come in here. I've made all this food. The wine is good. It's the picture perfect scene. Come. Eat of my bread and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Wisdom puts forth work and effort and energy. That's a relevant message for you where you're at in life. You know, in one sense, I know the tendency in my own life that sometimes I just... I have to do all my expectations, you know, maybe got school or work and family. And so we kind of do all those things, but the second we have any time for ourselves, what do we do? We binge on Netflix. We sleep until 11. Right? We spend hours playing Pokemon. <laughs> Whatever it is. You know, and, and honestly, I, I think back to when I was in summer. Uh, as a high schooler. My parents, the, the gracious, loving people, always told me and my brothers, hey, you will work the rest of your lives. You don't need to get a job. We'll help pay for things. We just want you to enjoy. And I mean, every single day, I would either play tennis for a couple of hours, and I'd go to the lake and go kayaking, and then I'd go golfing. I'd stay up till three, chatting on my AOL AIM account. <laughs> okay? Um, and then I'd sleep until like, I mean, one time I slept until 2.32. That was the latest I ever got. I slept till 2.32. And that has nothing to do with wisdom. You know, there's these guys called the Harris Brothers. They wrote a book called Do Hard Things. In which they talk in this book about how their dad made them when they were teenagers. Put effort into things. And he wouldn't just let them waste their summers away. And, and I was reading a blog about them today, and the amount of things they did by the age of 18, starting like foundations that had, you know, 150,000 followers, writing a book that sold 400,000 copies, you know, like caring for their dying mom. All, I mean, so many things. By the time they were 22, they had accomplished more than I think most adults have in their life. Because they realized that in their youth, was the time to work hard. Wisdom shows us that. She doesn't just call her party and say, oh shoot, I got people coming over. Yo, dominoes. No. She lays out her best. Wisdom puts in forth effort and time and energy. Compare that now to Lady Folly. Would you look down at verse 13? The woman folly is loud. I'll just pause right there. 
don't get me wrong, I don't mind outgoing um, people. I don't mind people who are kind of even like uh, what, what we would call the life of the party, you know, who kind of just a little more extroverted and has more energy just naturally, okay? I, I don't mind those people. But when I get this picture of like the woman follows loud, I'm like picturing like just the obnoxiously drunk person who is just slandering off this and that, not thinking about a word they're saying. And it's just like, it's just ugly. And you feel bad for that person. And you say, oh, you just need to talk less. Compared to, to Lady Wisdom, no way, she works hard and she's every small little you know, observation with her, pl or planning the plates, and she, she's mixing her wine, and she, you, you get this picture that she's probably well-spoken and mature and soft, but the Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly, she's loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. And she is simple. Because people who just spout out over and over and over again, they have literally no idea what they're talking about. I wonder what she looked like on Facebook. Posting every article without fact-checking things. Just says whatever comes to mind. She sits at the door of her house. Does that sound like Lady Wisdom? Lady Wisdom, she's out. She's doing things. She's collecting everything. You get this picture that Lady Folly, she's sitting back, sleeping until 2.30. Not doing anything. Lazy. She takes a seat at the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. And here's what's fascinating. Look at verse 16. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says. Does that verse look or sound familiar? Verse 4. As in it's identical. Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly give the exact same invitation. So now imagine for a second, you have Lady Wisdom over here who's working hard. She sends out her servants. She goes out everywhere in the town, the highest places, in order for everyone to hear. Come over here. I have done all the work for you. Come, eat of my bread. Drink the wine that I have mixed. You get this like passionate plea from Lady Wisdom. Yet yeah, you have Lady Folly over here. Just kind of sitting. Hey. Come over here. And what does she say? Stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. I think the two most extreme pictures between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And here is what Proverbs is trying to get you to think. Which path will you go down? Don't be quick to answer that. You know, sometimes your parents may say things like, nothing good in life comes easy. I think Proverbs says that. You know, a few months ago, maybe December time, or January, I don't know, like, uh, the Powerball got over to like over a billion dollars. I just think like, and honestly, I bought a ticket, okay? It's over a billion dollars, why not? Okay, um, I won't lie. But playing the lottery, 
is a lot like choosing Lady Folly. You're just hoping that good things come to you without having to work for it. Here's what's sad about these paths. You have the exact same invitation. You have two completely different parties you're being invited to. And by and large, the path leading to Lady Folly is the path chosen by most. Most people do not want to do the hard work of pursuing wisdom. Most people want to do what Lady Folly is asking. They want their stolen water to be sweet. Their stolen bread. That's the invitation you have before you in your life. Whether or not you will choose wisdom. And you know, and oftentimes, like if you think of, of Psalm 1, another one of my favorite passages, because it's similar to this, you were being asked whether or not you would be, you know, the the, the blessed man who, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, and the blessed man meditates in the law of the Lord day and night, but not so like the wicked. And the same thing, you have a, a once and all decision in your life whether or not you will choose to be wise or you'll choose to be foolish. But I think, I think our tendency, maybe as Western readers or something, is for you right now in your mind to say, well, yeah, I'm going to pick Lady Wisdom. I want my life to be better. I don't want the promise of verse 18. But he does not know that the dead are there and the guests and her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Right? That sounds that sounds bad. It's like asking a six-year-old in VBS, do you want to go to hell? No. Do you want to go to heaven? Yes. Say this prayer. I'm saying it. <laughs> Doesn't seem like the most best way to get people in the kingdom of God, but. I'm just a youth pastor. Um, I think we're tempted to look the same way here. Which is why in the middle we have these few verses that no one quite knows why it's there. It seems off-putting. It seems like it's getting in the way. But if you look at verse 7, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. People debate whether or not Lady Wisdom is still speaking or if it's the author you know, Solomon adding in his, his two cents here. But what is for sure is that to accept the invitation from Lady Wisdom is not just a, yeah, I guess I'll do that. But it's a daily decision that is calculated about how I will receive instruction in my life. If you look on in verse 8, do not reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Now you've got to ask yourself this question. When people come to you with criticism, how do you respond? You know, in one sense, I think, you know, our parents are always giving us criticism or conductive, you know, constructive criticism, whether we ask for it or not. It's just what parents do. But think about a friend who, who maybe... In 30 minutes from now, when youth group's over, it says, like, hey, man, we should talk. You know, I heard you say a few things, or I saw you doing this, and, uh, man, I just, that wasn't cool. What happens in your heart? Defensiveness? 
Maybe you kind of go a little bit of both, like, yeah, I kind of hear you, but, you know, I don't really always, you know, give some justification, but not full. Charles Wesley, some, you know, first great awakening, revivalist preacher who wrote all the hymns with his brother. They wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Just great guys, Wesleyan denomination. Um, the story is that he was at a pastor retreat, and he was like maybe in his 90s or 80s, really old. And there's a bunch of pastors there, and one of the young pastors, we'll say his name's Aaron, the young pastor, um, <laughs> called out one of the other pastors, <laughs> young Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Um, called out one of the other pastors there, who was older than him. And the story has that this older pastor was rebuking this, this young, younger Aaron at, at breakfast. And so John Wesley, like the, you know, the famous pastor at the time, stood up and he said, I would thank the youngest men among you if you were to tell me something that I've done wrong. In fact, I were to consider you, consider you my best friend. John Wesley knew that those people who are willing to tell you something in your life that was hard to hear are the people who truly love you. And for that, he would consider them his best friend. You see, Lady Wisdom is saying, listen, here's my invitation, but are you willing to receive instruction? Are you willing to open your heart to hear what I have to say, to hear what you need to do? Are you willing to go through the hard work it means to come and dine at this table? If you want easy and if you want quick and if you want fun, go to Lady Folly. But know that her way leads to death. And so this goes on even more, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So in order to actually accept the invitation of what wisdom is calling you to do, whether you have two invites right in front of you, you can't just say yes, that you have to be able to say, I will open my heart to instruction because ultimately I fear the Lord. I was in the fourth grade when I first heard that phrase. I was in Sunday school. And I, I could not understand what that meant. My entire life I've been told, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Fear God. How, what? And my mom, my mom kept trying to say, like, trying to explain to me. It just wasn't, wasn't clicking. wasn't clicking. But here's something that maybe just to help you. The idea of fearing God is like, you know, when we're in the ocean, and uh, I don't, Nicole maybe. Okay, we're like boogie boarding a little bit. And some of the big waves would come. And, and, and Nicole was always a little like, oh, let's let that one pass, you know. Um, and I was like, no, we want the biggest one possible. And we would miss it. And I would say something, maybe, maybe it has a cousin. Personification, right? Um, but I, Nicole had a healthy fear or respect for the ocean. She knew the power that it had, you know. And so in one sense, when we look at God, it's not that we like are fearful he's going to zap lightning at us, but that we have this awe, respect of God. Listen, there are plenty of people who aren't Christians who make wise decisions. You can sometimes make wise decisions and still not be wise. 
But the person who is wise always begins with the sense that I know who God is and I fear him because he has made me. And because the reason your soul exists is to give him praise and glory and honor. And so right here we see that the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And so to accept the invitation of wisdom is you opening up your heart to God and saying, I am open to your instruction and I will fear you because you are God and I am man. And then look at the, look at the blessing that follows when we do this. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. High schoolers, there is much benefit for your life to choose Lady Wisdom. And by choosing Lady Wisdom, I am saying that you will begin to have a relationship with God. That is not based out of just emotion. That is not based because you should. It is based because you fear God. Because you know who He is. Wisdom is being personified right here. As an invitation for you to come and to, to feast on her hard work. And it will help you in life. It will allow you to be prosperous and successful. But you see, ultimately, Jesus is the true personification of wisdom. If you want wisdom in one person, it is Jesus Christ. And Jesus, when preaching on the mount, also gave us a decision to make of whether or not you would choose the wide path that leads to destruction or the narrow path that leads to life. That you would either be the house on the solid rock or the house on the sand. That you'd either be the good tree that bears good fruit or the bad tree that bears bad fruit. Jesus is reiterating exactly what is happening right here in Proverbs 9 of what will you choose in your life. And so therefore, an invitation to wisdom is not just an invitation to having a great, prosperous life. It is an invitation to looking at the true personification of wisdom, which is Jesus. Therefore, to be wise and to choose wisdom over folly is to choose Jesus. To have a relationship with him. See, uh, we're doing summer fun days tomorrow for middle schoolers, and I'm talking about Jim Elliott, the missionary. And he says this really cool line that everyone quotes him by, but maybe they should because it's a good line. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What if tomorrow you gained everything that you're working so hard to get right now? The attention of that boy or girl. The good grades. The more fun experiences in high school. To be good at just one thing. What if I could tell you tomorrow you'll have all that? Better relationships? Then what? There is something more than what your heart is running after. And sometimes even in my own life, I get caught up. And if only this one thing was better, life would be better. And another old dead dude once said, um, 
Lord, you have made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until we find rest in thee. That was Augustine, who's commenting on the purpose of life, in which right here, in Proverbs chapter 9, of why I am so drawn to this passage, is I am being asked, Aaron, will you choose the path of life? Or will you choose the meaningless things like success and a lot of friends or pretty boyfriend or girlfriend and choose ease and idleness and worldliness. Mark my words. Excuse me. Mark Jesus' words. The path that leads to life is narrow and the path that leads to destruction is wide. And the path that leads to lady wisdom is narrow. And the path that leads to lady folly is death. Let's pray. Lord, help us to know that our hearts are restless till we find rest in thee. God, I pray that these students would grow in the grace that you have for them. God, help us to know that you desire for us to choose the path of wisdom, that we would open our hearts to you, God, that we would truly relate to you as our Father, that we would see Christ as our brother and our Savior. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the picture and the model of what true wisdom is. And Jesus, you gave your life up for one another. You emptied yourself. You did not retaliate. You loved people supremely. And I pray, Lord, that we would follow in that wisdom, that we would do the same, that we would love people supremely, that we would live to the glory of God, that we would not pursue these days of our life, God, especially the days in our youth, just pursuing whatever makes us happy day to day. Keep us far from the path of Lady Folly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.